is Monday, September 26th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Week 3 Recap Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaub. With me, as always, for these recap pods is Adam Krautwurst, the studious one from the intro video that you just watched if you're on YouTube with us. Adam, how is Week 3 treating you so far? Terrible. It's another week of... It's another week of my res- my team doesn't want to score fantasy points. It's you know it's great if you've got like Mac Hollins and Zay Jones and Russell Gage and Romeo Dubs and Zay McKenzie like all these receivers that no one started. Um, but uh, no, it was another terrible week for uh, for my for my teams. I'm doing well on those underdog pickums, but other than that, um, it was not it was not a great week. That's right. And if you are having a terrible week, there's still time for you to try to get some of your money back on underdog pickums. You can click the link at the bottom of this podcast, whether you're on YouTube or anywhere else, and you can make your first deposit. You can get it matched a hundred percent up to hundred bucks on underdog. Or if you don't want to click the link, just use promo code draft sharks. If you're too lazy to make the click, it's probably more effort to type in draft sharks, but whatever, whatever works for you. We want to get you some free money to play on there. You can get free money to play on sleeper too. Same deal. Click the link at the bottom or go there and use the DraftSharks promo code. We'll match your uh, deposit there as well. So going to the games that did already happen in week three on Sunday, we're going to skip the Thursday one, but Panthers 22, Saints 14, the first one on our list. And speaking of terrible, we got Baker Mayfield, 12 for 25, 170 yards. He is rendering DJ Moore nearly non-existent. Six targets, one catch in this game. Christian McCaffrey, Robbie Anderson, four targets apiece. nobody on the team caught more than two passes. I mean, it was a nice game for Christian McCaffrey overall, but Baker Mayfield's play is basically making nobody else usable in Carolina right now. Baker Mayfield stinks. I mean, it's just, it's incredible that anyone thought he was the number one pick in that draft because it's just all the things that, you know, the the, the arm strength, the the no mobility in the pocket, all that stuff. Um, Yeah, yeah. I mean, he didn't, he's not even able to get, well, DJ Moore's running wide open and on third down, he's he's throwing it over his head. Um, but you like you said, CMC was able to to get some fantasy points. He's still right now is RB seventeen, so it's not like he's even a top a start, you know, a, a RB one. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's just he's he's really, he's really going to hold back this Panthers offense, Baker Mayfield is, unless you know, there's always the chance that because he, he came in late to camp and all that stuff, maybe there's uh, maybe there's something there to to that, but. Uh, I think overall, uh, this this whole offense is just is just going to struggle. I'm surprised because he looks like Sam Darnold so far. And so they have Arizona yeah. coming up this week. If there is going to be a rebound, Arizona is the one to allow it to happen. We'll get to their game against the Rams in a little bit. But on the other side of that, 49ers, Rams, Buccaneers in three straight games. So. Uh, Baker Mayfield's got to look really good in week four to make anybody besides Christian McCaffrey a lineup option beyond that. And I, I know the DJ Moore I was wary of heading into last week. I was trying to give him benefit of the doubt for one more game. It's going to be tough to give benefit of the doubt for week four on close decisions. Like we're talking mid to low wide receiver three territory. It's going to be tough to take DJ Moore over the other guy. Yeah. Moore is definitely benchable now, you know, um, five, five targets to the, the, the two carries is nice, but, it's just, it's not, it's not good enough. Five, five targets from, from Baker Mayfield is just, is just not, not going to cut it. Um, yeah. No, like you said, no one had more than two catches. It's just, it's, it's, it's a really gross offense right now. Like if Baker doesn't have all day to throw, uh, he can't hit, uh, he can't hit, hit, hit anybody. I mean, Christian McCaffrey saw, saw four targets. He should probably see more uh, than that as well. 25 carries for, for him, but 
again, we don't want carries. We want, we, we want targets from, uh, from, from everybody, including our running backs. Yeah. We'll take 13 carries and like 10 targets for Christian. Right. Right. On the Saints side, Jameis Winston wasn't very good either, but we can use Jameis Winston bad because he helps his team fall behind, throws a pair of picks, fumbles the ball twice, did recover both of those, but still, you know, sloppy Jameis Winston finishes up with 353 passing yards. So that's the kind of bad quarterbacking we like in fantasy. And I'm sure you especially liked it. I'm with Chris with Chris Olave going off again, led the team in targets by a wide margin. Helped by Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry going down in this one, but Michael Thomas played most of the game. Yeah, no, uh, Alave look, looks like a stud, and we knew, you know, Alave is a downfield threat, and that's where Jameis likes to go. The offense was moving the ball pretty well. They just kept, they would have like a, they would drive down the field and then have a big sack on third down. They would drive down the field, fumble, missed field goals. Like they were, they, they were moving the ball. Jameis was, was moving the ball pr- pretty well down the field. Kamara, I'm sorry, um, Alave looks, looks awesome. Uh, Kamara, he, he didn't look, he doesn't look bad. Like he still looks explosive. Um, saw six targets, saw 15 carries. So, uh, it's just his targets and his carries weren't in the right spot of the field. Like they didn't, he didn't have any goal line work or anything. So he finishes RB 37, which is terrible, but I think he's a buy based on like, um, like if he's going to get 15 carries and six targets every week, I would love that. Um, especially in an offense that can move, move the ball. So he would be a buy for me. He doesn't look like run down or anything. Um, so that that's a guy that I would, I would be targeting. Yeah. I would agree that he's unlucky to have Mark Ingram take the team's one rushing touchdown. He's yeah. going to catch more than two of seven targets. If he's getting that number of targets, usually probably more of a hold than a buy for me. Cause I don't totally trust either the saints or Jameis Winston supporting a running back, but you know, I agree with the sentiment that that it's not time to give up on Kamara just because he didn't deliver the fantasy points yesterday. I, I like the usage more than I hate the lack of production for this one. And Alave is a good example of somebody that, you know, you want to say stick with DJ Moore. But if if it's my team, no. I'm playing Chris Alave in week four against Minnesota over DJ Moore against anybody. Yeah, I've made the mistake in the past. I think we talked about this last week of not, um, or maybe I was on, on the deep end of of waiting too long to start these rookie receivers. But man, it's yeah, that's that's a perfect example. DJ Moore or Chris Olave with a nice matchup, especially if like if there's if there uh, is injuries in, in that uh, Saints receiving core, like Olave all all day long. DJ, I mean, they have a quarterback that likes to push it downfield. He's capable, um, and just uh, yeah, uh, DJ Moore's got 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 issues. And, uh, you know, I think that when you're making a decision like this, it's always possible that you decide the wrong way. And we'll talk about some plenty other receivers that people were not starting that put up numbers in those uh, over those who didn't. And to me, the like final tiebreaker, I guess, if you're just having trouble getting over the hurdle of, of sitting the guy that you drafted early is if you were deciding between Chris Olave and DJ Moore right now, then if you wind up choosing more and Alave outscores him, what you did was ignore what happened the past two weeks and start the guy that you drafted earlier. On the other hand, if you start Alave and more outscores him, then something really changed versus what the Panthers have done to this point. So uh, to me, in that case, it's not a wrong choice. Even if you wind up with the guy who outscores the one that you played it, I think after three weeks, there's enough that we need to not ignore what's going on and stick too hard to where we drafted players. Completely agree. Yeah, that's that's it's it's time to start doing that earlier, especially for for me. I got a couple of teams where I just I just started the, the wrong guys and I waited too long. Granted, it's only it's only been week three, but now now we're getting into it here, week four. 
um, the writing's on the wall for a lot of these players. Just go go with what's happening in, in 2022. In two cases yesterday, I started Marcus Mariota over Russell Wilson, and I'm happy that I did. Bears yeah. 23, Texans 20 the next game here. David Montgomery. Uh, Adam, I think every single time that I bet anything on David Montgomery, <laughs> whether it's putting him in a DFS lineup, whether it's putting him in the underdog pickums, any time that I'm like, all right, even David Montgomery can't screw this one up. Then I pop him in and he hurts something. He went down in the first quarter of this game. Khalil Herbert throws on a cape, carries 20 times, 157 yards, two touchdowns, another two catches for 12 yards. So, I mean, I, it's if I could have put Bears running back in those slots instead of David Montgomery, I would have been awesome as it is. Like, I wonder if it's the kind of game where Khalil Herbert's going to command work even once David Montgomery is back healthy. Uh, I don't think that that's the case, but I, I could feel your, your, your anger through the, through the tweet uh, when you were, when you were talking about that, but yeah, it's uh, I don't, I don't think he will because I mean, last year he was, he was uh, Herbert was this good, you know, and then, and then Montgomery came back and he kind of went back to the bench or, or whatever. But I, I think that um, Herbert looks, Herbert looks great. This is a, you know, one of those zero RB handcuff guys that we weren't dropping that we were holding on to waiting for an injury like this. Um, you know, M- Montgomery, they were saying, we haven't heard of, I mean, the coach says he's day to day, uh, you know, doctors watching the video say it could be, you know, a high ankle four to six, stuff like that. So we'll see, but I agree. I think Herbert deserves to get some run in there. I mean, M- Montgomery, it isn't bad, but by any stretch, but you know, why would you leave Herbert on the bench when he's, you have like one playmaker on this team, you know, get, get Herbert out, out there, um, you know, and they they're only using the running backs, right? They're not they're not throwing it, so you might as well let uh, let let Herbert get involved. Yeah, I mean, it could at least turn into something like James Robinson, Travis Etienne with Jacksonville in terms of how they're used. If you have Khalil Herbert, I mean, obviously Khalil Herbert should be owned everywhere um, heading into this coming week. If you have him, smile. Consider shopping him to the David Montgomery owner in your league and see just how much you can get from that person. But it's definitely not a must sell Khalil Herbert type of situation. Agreed. Justin Fields, another 17 pass attempts in this one, running that triple option offense. His three-week total for passing yards would have tied for eighth among week three quarterbacks. You take all (laughs) three games of Justin Fields passing so far, he would have tied for eighth so far in week three. We'll see what Cooper Rush and Daniel Jones do. Maybe they'll push him down further. Fields had 47 rushing yards in this game. I mean, you know, regardless of what you think of Justin Fields as a player or a passer or whatever, an NFL team can't go like this. It, it that this doesn't work. Yeah, no, it, it's it doesn't work. It's not working, and it's not like they're running Fields to that. I mean, he had five five carries. It's not like he was he was uh, in, in the game plan as far as running the ball. They're just terrible. They're inept. Their O line stinks. Their skill guys are are. I mean, their skill guys should still be doing better than this. I mean, Darnell Mooney five targets. You know, um, that's that's that, that's not going to, especially on a team that stinks, like playing from behind and stuff like that. Now, this is a, the Texans game wasn't wasn't that, but like you know, just the inability. Cole commit three targets. It's just so stupid. Like, uh, I don't know how the coaches sit around like, yeah, this is this is what, what we're going to do. Um, but it's oh, it almost looks like they're tr- they they don't like Fields. They're tr- they're tr- punt. They're trying. They're tanking for a top five pick. It's it's, it's what it looks like. So. Um, we just, this, this is what it's going to be all, all year. It's time. It's time to move on from, uh, from any passing game, uh, players on, on, on the bears. And if you dislike Justin Fields as a coach enough that you think your team should go like 67, 33 run pass, then just bench him for Trevor. Right. 
because you're wasting time otherwise. Yeah. Arnold Mooney, 35% target share. Cole Komet, second on <laughs> targets. But those things don't matter if your team is throwing less than 20 pass attempts a week. So it's there's nothing. There's nothing you can do with this offense until something changes drastically. On the other side, we did get more positive change for Damian Pierce. 20 carries in this one, 80 yards, touchdown. That's nothing big. I would not be surprised if he doesn't get a whole lot of 20 carry games this season. So I think there's some sell potential here, but it's not, I'm not saying this is going to be Damian Pierce's best game of the season. Get out while you can. No. And it's just so nice to see like stuff makes sense. Like, okay, this game's going to, going to be close. Houston's going to be involved. This is a game that they, they can win. They should hand off the ball a bunch of times to Damian Pierce and they did. And he looked really good and he scored and he was bouncing off would be tacklers and it just it all made sense um so if you had damian pierce this and you didn't start him well that shame on you because this was one of the weeks to uh to absolutely want to start him um so yeah he he looked great burkhead obviously stealing targets there fine whatever uh pierce still saw two targets i think he had two, two, both of them were, were caught um so uh pierce is definitely the the best running back here again it's, it's not a great team not a great offense but weeks weeks like this are why you have damian pierce and he should mess around probably RB20 to RB25 range in our rankings pretty much weekly going forward. Next week is the Chargers, Jaguars after that. I mean, Chargers just allowed 100 rushing yards to James Robinson, so that should be um, at least a decently startable spot for Damian Pierce, and we'll see going forward. But, yeah, we got to like the rushing role that he has taken over after week one went the way it did. And, you know, after that game, we had Lovey Smith saying uh, that's not how he wanted it to work, and – you say, well, why did it work like that if that's not how you want it to happen? So it's been good to see a correction in that area over the past two weeks. And I think he fumbled twice, too. Uh, I, I don't think he lost the fumbles. Maybe he lost one, but he fumbled twice. So it's nice to see them go back to him and not just bench him, you know, like some old school coach. Like, let, let the kid run. I agree with that. Um, Colts 20 over the Chiefs 17. This was surprising. It's one of those games mm. that reminds you just how close all these teams are to each other. It's really a lot closer in the end than what we want it to be. On the Chiefs side, rebound game for Juju Smith-Schuster. Five catches, 89 yards. His eight targets tied for Travis Kelsey with the team lead. The targets are fairly concentrated at the top here. Eight apiece for Kelsey and Juju. Seven for MVS. Five for Clyde edwards Lair. And to me, Adam, he's the one to he's the one most worth talking about here because he caught all five of his targets in this game. He also ran for a touchdown from one yard out. That was part of a seven carry zero rushing yard game with that touchdown and those five catches. He played eight fewer snaps than Jarek McKinnon uh, who matched him in carries and ran ahead of him in pass routes. I would say try as hard as you can to trade Clyde Edwards Elair right now because his fantasy scoring to this point is completely fake. <laughs> I love it. Uh his scoring is I, I to me he's more of a hold because because of that. Like he's not getting the touches and he's still pr- producing. Like he might get the touch touches eventually. Injury, it's almost like he's a handcuff to himself. <laughs> like if if there's a if there's an injury ar- around him, his uh you know it'll it'll cut his production will explode because he'll start getting more touches. He's also getting, you know, the goal, he's getting goal line work. He's getting catches. Um, and that's big in, in, in an offense like this. Now this offense is severely struggling shocker, right? When you lose hall of famer to tie, nobody saw, saw this coming, right? Uh, the lose hall, hall of famer to Tyree kill. And all of a sudden they can't, they can't score points. Uh, but, um, but yeah, he's, I could see if you can get a nice offer for CEH. Cause right now, 
you know, the running back landscape with injuries starting to creep in and guys just not, not producing. I mean, at the other end of this, you see JT is RB 21, you know, so um, it depends on what you, what, what you can get for him. But to me, you know, expected fantasy points versus what they actually scored. It's like, you know, I don't know, expected fantasy points don't pay, they don't pay the bills, but um, and, and again, when it comes to running backs too, you want guys that are getting targets, which he had five of from Patrick, five Patrick Holmes targets is awesome. And they're getting work inside the 10 and he gets work inside to that. Maybe not all of it, but enough. And he's been efficient. Like he's been super, super efficient. So um, I'm okay with holding him and, and, you know, you get an injury to McKinnon or, or Pacheco and he's, and he's, uh, you know, an RB uh, a week in week out RB two. He's been borderline RB one now with all his, you know, he scores like every single week. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm still okay. Holding CEH. Sweet. It sounds like I can trade CEH to you. Maybe <laughs> let's do it. Let's make it happen. <laughs> he is third among all running backs in PPR scoring right now with tonight's game yet to go. So um, good. And 13th among running backs for week three. So that's why I would be trying very hard to sell him right now, trying to see exactly how many routes. So, you know, you mentioned that he is getting targets among all running backs. He's tied for 33rd in total routes tied with Cordero Patterson. So we've been kind of complaining to this point that Cordero Patterson's not getting more passing game work than he is. So to me, that's a, that's a good, I don't know, way to put, into view where ceh is it's good that he's getting the ball but he has definitely benefited from being in the chief's offense and we knew that that would be the case that was the biggest selling point was that he was chief's running back but he's been much more of one of the chief's running backs than the chief's first running back um from versus what i expected heading into the season yeah no i get it and and, again it's like um, if, if he was this efficient the first two years, he'd have been unbelievable when, when he was getting all, all of the work, you know? So, uh, maybe he's just healthier this year. And they're just, like you said, I mean, he was second on the team in snaps at running back second in routes run, um, and tied for first in, in, in carries with, with McKinnon. So, um, he's been a great zero RB or hero RB pick so far, mm-hmm. kind of keeping those teams afloat. So, um, so yeah, but, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I could see him having, you know, one or two point games for, for, for sure. Sell, sell, sell. Um, <laughs> Nicole Hardman, before we move away from the Chiefs side, close behind Juju and MVS and routes in this game, just one target. I think that's a reminder of how this situation could be spread around. The opportunities could be spread around. I think it'll continue to be Juju and MVS in targets ahead of Hardman, even if the playing time sticks around. But, you know, that's a reason that we shouldn't be shocked if next week either Juju or MBS has four targets and Nicole Hardman has four or five of them. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, they had, they had the week and a half off. It's nice to see Juju get lead, lead the team in targets tied, tied with Kelsey. It was kind of a weird start for, for, for the chiefs. They, they didn't have the ball. They, they, they muffed a, a, a punt early on in the game, I think on their first uh, attempt to, to get it. And so they were kind of playing from behind from, from the beginning, so that that kind of helped Juju there, but yeah, I, I think he's they're they're building that, that rapport. He had a great catch and run on a third down d- drag route, so um, it's nice to see him get a little bit more involved in the, in the passing game. On the Colts offense, nothing impressive. I mean, obviously impressive that they won, but Matt Ryan avoided interceptions in this one. Still took five sacks. He fumbled twice, lost one of those fumbles. Both his touchdown passes went to Jelani Woods, who was wearing an OJ Howard mask for this one. 
<laughs> that's right. Yeah, Jelani Woods looks like Mo, Mo Ali Cox out there too. I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell who's who. Um, but yeah, the, the Colts started weird on offense. They were throwing screen passes to to Pittman a lot. Like that's that, that's not his game. I think he had like two early screen pass catches for like negative yards. That's not his thing. But man, he got going later on in that game. Pittman looks looks really really good. And when Ryan has time to throw, like when he doesn't have to move and 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 uh, and, and be athletic, uh, he's he's making the right reads, throwing to the right guys. So this could be a sneaky good offense. Pierce looked really good too. Um, so, uh, so yeah, the, the receiving core still goes through Pittman, nine, nine, cat, nine targets. Um, if he continues to get nine, 10, 11 targets a game, he's going to, he's, he's going to pay off at his like wide receiver, maybe 10 to 12 ADP. Yeah. Pittman's not matching the target hogs from other places. Cooper cup, um, yep. you know, what AJ Brown did early, but we can take 24 to 25% target share from Michael Pittman here, especially if the team ends up throwing quite a bit going forward, like it has so far. So yeah, we like Michael Pittman coming back and clearly leading in targets. Um, th- like I said, Jelani Woods was third among Colts tight ends and playing time here. So you should not be picking him up or using him going forward. And you should trust none of them at this point, because it could just rotate among them who gets opportunities. Naheem Hines second on the team in six uh, in, in targets with six still the same role that he's been playing so far though well behind jonathan taylor in rushing usage and jonathan taylor was right behind him in targets with five tying alec pierce so really it's it's michael Pittman, it's jonathan taylor despite two straight disappointing weeks of production and then it's nothing else for the colts yeah it's disappointing for jt too to get 21 carries against not a stout chiefs defense and get five, five targets in a game where they're playing uh close the, the whole game and it's still having uh, he's RB 21 going into the Monday night game. I mean, it's just been two, two kind of duds for JT uh, here in week, week, weeks two and week three. So um, not, not a great fantasy start for, for him this season. He's, he's, he's getting the volume. It's just, it's just not, not happening for him. Yeah. Not a whole lot you can do, but uh, it's, it's certainly disappointing through um, the first three weeks. Speaking of disappointing, Dolphins 21-19 over the Bills. Mm. Bills ran 90 offensive plays to Miami's 39. Time of possession was 40 minutes and 40 seconds for Buffalo, 19-20 for Miami. We had the one missed field goal for the Bills, four fumbles, but they only lost one of them. Penalty yardage was significantly in Miami's favor, 52 yards for the Bills and penalties versus 20 for the Dolphins. I mean, uh, otherwise, like watching this game, it felt kind of even but looking at these numbers afterward it really shouldn't have wound up being that even between the two teams yeah no if you just look at the if you look at the box score you're like oh the bills won by 30 points uh you know allen goes for 450 total yards no one no interceptions how do they not win this game by a million but yeah it was penalties it was mistakes you know allen gets called for a for a uh, unnecessary roughness Cause he got, he got hit in the junk and he was defending himself, but you know, Allen also fumbled inside of their own 10, which is why the dolphins are able to get that one touchdown. So um, yeah, all, all in all great kind of fantasy day for Allen, but like not for any, any anybody else. I mean, no one was starting Zach Moss, please uh, get Gabe Davis dropped a touchdown. Uh, Matt Milano dropped a pick six. Uh, not that that matters here for fantasy, but um, yeah, it was just, I think that, the heat was was the heat was tough for them down there. I think by the end of the game they were just exhausted. I think that's why Allen bounced that uh, game winner to to McKenzie. I think everyone was just was just wasted. So um, yeah, the bit you know if the, you're going to get 90 plays out of this offense, normally you would think you know Gabe and Stefan would, would would smash, but it was really just Allen and they a lot to the to the running backs. 
um, out of the backfield. Singletary had a bunch of uh, had a bunch of catches. How many targets did Singletary? I'm eleven. To yeah, ten. To, yeah, well, yeah, mine says ten. Yeah, ten or eleven targets, um, which is great, which is great, great for him. But that's not generally going to happen. You know, they were playing from from behind uh, most of the second half, so um, not not a ton to t- really to take away from here. Um, other than the Bills should have won by double digits. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I agree with the, it's tough to take a whole lot away from this. My first reaction in looking back over the numbers is where did those 11 targets for Devin Singletary come from? And the answer is it's not really as crazy as it seems. 63 pass attempps for Josh Allen's the first thing. So yeah. 17 and a half percent target share. I mean, that's high. It's not normally going to be that high for Devin Singletary, but it's not a, a, a ridiculous number his route rate was actually down slightly versus week two. He ran a route on 66.7% of Josh Allen's dropbacks in week two, week three, that was down slightly to 61.6%, but obviously 73 routes. So there were just huge volume for everybody. So the takeaway for me on Devin Singletary is, you know, don't expect 11 targets again, but he's the guy in the backfield again for now, at least after playing time was pretty close in week one, it has shifted toward being much more Devin Singletary over the past two weeks. And, you know, it's still going to be a pass leaning offense, but it's not normally going to be the 80 20 that it was against Miami. So Singletary is becoming somebody that we can use a little bit more comfortably, like in the range where we're looking at the Patriots running backs or maybe Cordero Patterson, just depending on what reality shows for him over the coming weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I think a lot of it today had to do with like, Diggs was cramping, you know, they lost Jake Kumro um, early on in the game. They just didn't, they didn't have the bodies. Everyone was exhausted. So normally like at the end of the game, Diggs wasn't getting, wasn't getting anything. And and at the end of this game, it was, it was Josh thrown to the running backs. I mean, even James, there was a James Cook sighting today with five or yesterday with five targets. So um, that's, that that's generally not going to happen, but Singletary. Yeah. As far as per- percentage wise, he's getting a nice amount of targets. He's just never going to score because he's not very good. And Allen generally scores, uh, down inside inside the five when they when they do score and i get the issues too when i'm in florida i don't want to do anything outside either that's right isaiah unless, mckenzie unless I'm, unless I'm by the pool <laughs> right i i would have to be in it i would have to be in yeah, the water right. anything. isaiah mckenzie you mentioned nine targets in this game seven for 76 and a touchdown that was just 14.3 percent target share so similar to devin singletary he got pumped up by there just being a ton of passes thrown and you know bodies <laughs> falling in the heat right. so don't take too much away from Isaiah McKenzie here. Don't think, oh, okay, McKenzie's a starter going forward. It was a, a goofy kind of game for volume that just kind of um, blew everybody up. On the other side, it was goofy low pass volume. I already mentioned the play volume for Miami, but considering the game situation, considering that it it should have been a shootout, consi- you know, considering the two teams, and when you look at the close score, you figure it's shootout conditions, but it was just weird the way it all played out with turnovers and penalties. So it was still Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill leading targets for Miami. They were low because they just didn't throw the ball that much. Chase Edmonds scored twice, but he only carried six times and he was still beaten in playing time by Raheem Mostert. So we don't take this one as a swing back to Chase Edmonds either. My biggest takeaway from the Miami side, Adam, is apparently a back injury can make you woozy. <laughs> by <laughs> Don't even get me started. As soon as he came back in the game, which I'm not going to complain about because Tua stinks. Like, fine, bring bring Tua out here so we can smash him again. But like, have you ever had your back lock up, Matt? Because I I have. You're yes. not coming back from that either. Okay, your back locks up. You're done. 
Like this guy, his back never bothered him the rest of the game. Like, stop it. They gave him some smelling salts and got him back out there. Uh, same thing with Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs two years ago before they played the Bills. Guy gets a concussion. Oh, no, he's good to go next week. Like, yeah, okay, okay, whatever. But um, but yeah, no, my my when, when my back locks up, I'm done for two weeks. Okay, so uh, but I'm not an elite athlete like these guys are. I mean, um, but yeah, it, so well, not only that, but how have you ever had your back lock up and then you're like, whoa, <laughs> right? Whoa. Well, no, maybe I that's why like, his legs weren't moving, but like yeah. Yeah, he was clearly like out of it. I mean, come yeah. on, who are you trying to kid with that? No, oh, so so stupid. But um, but yeah, it was like you said, it was a weird game for them. They didn't Miami didn't have, have the ball. One of their drives started inside the Bills 10-yard line. So that was, you know, that was a short, short, quick drive. And I think the um, and this is uh, you know, as much as I want as much as I crushed Leslie Frazier for 13 seconds last year, like this shows like they Bills were without their four top secondary players, two starting defensive linemen, and they were still able to hold this passing game and check for most of the game. I mean, the one deep ball to Jalen Waddle was a, he had eight seconds to throw and crow hopped into a, into a 50 yarder. Like if he didn't have all that time to throw the secondary, like the secondary is going to be fine moving forward. Once it gets healthy, I know, you know, kind of referencing the not having Micah Hyde for the rest of the year, but I think they're going to be okay. They were able to you know, shut Tyreek Hill down in this game. And I'm sure people were playing him like crazy in, in DFS. And I mean, certainly the pass rush is going to help with that too, where that'll help you deal with any secondary deficiencies. So yeah, I think it was encouraging, um, you know, the, to, to see them perform without those safeties, without Dane Jackson, we'll see where they go from there. Anything else from that game? No, that, that's it. Vikings 28, Lions 24 is next up. Dalvin Cook, a shoulder injury in this one. He at least gave us the fantasy numbers we needed before leaving the game. Would have gotten more if not for that. We're going to have to watch the injury this week. The early word is that the team is expecting he'll play with a brace on it in week four. Obviously, we'll have to watch and see what actually happens there. But, you know, just like Khalil Herbert, Adam, this is why Alexander Madison should be rostered at least in any league of 12-plus teams and probably most leagues of 10-plus. Yeah, exactly. Which is why he was like, you know, a 10th round, ninth round pick uh, when people knew he was going to be a zero whenever he didn't, he didn't play. But, you know, it always makes me interesting too. Like, I don't know who the Vikings play next week, but why wouldn't you just rest him knowing that, you know, you have a uh, Alexander Madison who, who's a baller, right. Who can, who can absolutely do a lot of the things that Delvin cook can do. So that, that'll be interesting. Um, him playing with a brace on, but cook, cook cook's not done it before. It's just so weird how a guy's like shoulder can just keep popping out and it just, he's fine the, the following week. So we'll see, uh, we'll, we'll follow that during the week. I mean, I saw a police officer have his, um, shoulder pop out and then he just rammed it back into a wall and went back to work. So it's not just, <laughs> there you go. Players. It's easy. <laughs> Justin Jefferson's six targets here are worth noting. I mean, I'm not going to take this game and say I'm worried about Justin Jefferson, but we had 41 pass attempts from Kirk Cousins, only six targets for Jefferson. We had eight apiece for Adam Thielen and KJ Osborne, six for Irv Smith. So, I mean, I I say it's noteworthy. I think just in that it's not always going to be Justin Jefferson's week. There are offenses where, you know, Stephon Diggs, even though he didn't have a great week, he had 11 targets. Nobody else had more than him for the Bills yesterday. We did have two Vikings who had more than Jefferson. We had one other who matched him. So, you know, just maybe it's a little bit less. Everything's running through Jefferson and a little bit more. They also have other guys that can play. Yeah, they, they have other guys that, that, that can play for, for sure. I mean, they, generally, I'm, I'm the guy that's like, you know, when your stud doesn't get 
the work he deserves, you generally lose. Now the Vikings were able to kind of pull this one out, I think. Uh, but uh, so, and they were still scoring too. So, like you said, they have a lot of talent. Um, it's nice to see Thielen kind of. Thielen is one of those guys. It's not going to do much, but between the twenties, but you get him inside the red zone. Him and Kirk Cousins have a have a history of just always being able to to connect in there. So Jefferson's touchdown rate might go down this year. He's going to have to rely more on those those, those deep scores because whenever Thielen's healthy. He's certainly a problem inside inside the uh, the ten yard line. Mm-hmm. Um, KJ Osborne had those eight targets, like I mentioned, solidly behind Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen in playing time, but also solidly ahead of Irv Smith. So operating like the kind of wide receiver three that we were hoping he would be. You know, not somebody that we're going to be starting week to week, but somebody who is an option when we're hard up. Irv Smith had those six targets that matched Jefferson in this one. He was still right about 60% route rate, second straight game there. So, I mean, it's it's a level where he's okay, where he's usable, but he's also not somebody that you can feel good about putting into a lineup. And it's not normally going to be to that level of targets because we're not usually going to get 41-plus pass attempts from Kirk Cousins. He was involved early, though. He did have four first-half targets at Irv Smith here. Yeah, yeah. It's nice to see that for him, for sure. Again, when you – those like tight ends, you know, ten through twenty. It's like a lot of teams have two of them, right? And you're trying to decide which which one to start. So, I mean, this this might have been one of those games where you know he might not see six targets for three games, you know. So, uh, this might have been one of those games to try to get those targets. But, uh, but yeah, it's just going to be a hit and miss with with Irv Smith. On the Lions side, DeAndre Swift also has a shoulder injury. Sounds like it's a shoulder sprain that might cost him further time. Was a apparently not moving his left arm much after the game. So that's on top of the ankle um, sprain that was already like limiting his usage last week. We saw the results yesterday. Jamal Williams had a huge game, 20 carries scored twice. That's already his second two touchdown game through three weeks this season. Another running back who should be owned everywhere at this point. I mean, he was less, he was a little bit less of a, you got to have him than Alexander Madison and, um, who else were we talking about? Alexander Madison and Khalil Herbert. But actually, that's not true. I think Jamal Williams was in kind of the same neighborhood yeah. as Khalil Herbert because we talked about in preseason, he was somebody that's relevant to the offense, not to fantasy necessarily, even when Swift is in the lineup and then gets that boost when Swift goes down. So, so far, we've seen we've been seeing at least what we expected from Jamal Williams if you held that belief in him. And obviously, he gets a big boost if Swift miss, misses any further game time. Yeah, exactly. I I, th- I think think he is too. I think Swift is is going to miss some some game time, um, and Jamal Williams is going to be awesome. While you know he's going to get all the goal line work, he's going to that that line is so good. Jamal Williams doesn't have to be uh, you know even an average running back. I mean the the I forget what the numbers, but their their yards per carry before the running backs were even getting touched by anybody was 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 elite. You know, so he's able to just score two touchdowns every uh, every game as a as, as a backup, as, as a handcuff. So it's like it's going to be really uh, it's going to be a great. He's a great zero RB guy. Um, you know, he's going to be easy to put easy to put in in into lineups as long as DeAndre Swift misses time. You know, so and his um, Craig Reynolds was a backup there, but you know, Craig Reynolds is obviously worth a pickup if Swift misses time. And maybe is Justin Jackson still hanging around this this roster? I don't think so. I think he got cut. Okay. I'm not certain. Any and any running back they have on this team right now is is is, is worth adding because again, you're a, another injury from Jamal Williams away from having a guy that's going to go in there and produce behind this line. 
Yeah, let's see exactly who is on this roster. Right, so we do still have Justin Jackson on the roster, Craig Reynolds, and then Swift and Williams are the only two other guys on the active roster. We have let's see, practice squad. Oh, uh, we have Ramar Jefferson Indeed. on the practice squad. So that's Good. it. Yep. Yeah. No, that's it. So Justin Jackson's worth a little dollar bid this week if you can if you, if you could sneak that in there. Deeper leagues, we're talking, of course. Here, right. 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 Um, Josh Reynolds had the big day among receivers led with 10 targets, six catches, 96 yards. Nothing changed in the roles though. I think the takeaway for me here, Adam is DJ Chark is not ahead of Josh Reynolds in terms of what we should expect and the way the team is using him. I think that if you, unless you need either of these guys to be an option for you week to week, I'd rather have Jamison Williams at this point, because we've seen enough to know that Josh Reynolds and DJ Chark are not likely to be, you know, big time week to week performers. So if, if it's just bench fodder, if it's just somebody that I'm holding for upside at this point, I would rather stash Jameson Williams just in case late in the season, they really want to get him heavily involved. Cause I don't think there's a ton of upside to either of the other two guys. No, there is especially like if it was just one of them, fine. They're certainly worth it, but they're both like the same deep ball type type players on, on this team medium to deep routes. And if they're both, if they're going to be splitting that, you know, both of them played the same amount of snaps with 62, almost ran the same amount of routes, 39 to 37, you know, so it's really just like Amon Ra and then uh, Hawkinson uh, at tight end, although he scored, but he only had four, four targets. So uh, he's even tough to tough to start at this, at this point, but they're spread, they're, they're, they're spreading the ball around. They're running the ball. Well, um, they're, they're, they're a well-balanced team. Mm-hmm. Ravens 37, Patriots 26. According to NFL Next Gen Stats, Lamar Jackson leads the league in passing EPA versus the Blitz this year. And that EPA is expected points added. So, you know, a measure of what a guy is actually adding your team in terms of whether you're likely to score points on plays where he's blitzed through three touchdown passes against the Blitz, against the Patriots. That was the second straight game in which he threw three touchdown passes against the Blitz, according to Next Gen Stats. Also topped 100 yards rushing for the second straight game. So, I mean, Lamar Jackson has been absolutely everything that you were hoping he would be if you drafted him, and even more. And that's, you know, despite facing a New England defense, that's probably going to wind up being among the better defenses that he faces this year. Yeah, he's been amazing. He was one of the reasons why you uh, didn't, especially I hate to say it, why you didn't take, you know, uh, a quarter, like like a guy like Josh Allen just waited to take Lamar as the quarterback three or four, and and why you take a quarterback in the top six and don't, like, we're going to talk about Jalen Hurts later and even Josh, like, it's, these guys have such a cheat code, um, you know, for this, for this team, over a hundred yards rushing. That's just, that's just insane. I wish it would translate to, I know Bateman has scored, you know, week one and week two, but four targets yesterday, it's just not enough. We need more, especially in that game where you score, they score 40 something points in this game. Like you, you, you gotta have Bateman, you gotta get Bateman more involved in, in the passing game. I can't argue with Mark Andrews, 13 targets though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's annoying as a Bateman owner to, to watch, um, Mark Andrews get 45% of the targets, but you know, it's like AJ Brown in week one. It was annoying to have Devonte Smith or Dallas Goddard in that game. You just have to tell yourself that that's not going to happen. Most of the time we at least knew going into this one, there was a chance that Bateman would have a tough game. The Patriots, you know, even with kind of revolving uh, defensive backs, they tend to be pretty good against the pass year to year. So it's not a shocking spot 
for Rashad Bateman to have a quiet game. I think that, you know, the positive to it is even with just two catches and four targets, he still did get to 59 yards. So he's been over 20 yards per catch in yeah. every game so far. So, I mean, like it would be nice if we were getting 20, 25% target share every week, but we're at least, you know, getting this guy and his quarterback who are showing the explosive potential for whenever the ball does go his way. And then freaking Devin Duvernay, the guy's just, he score again. This, this guy, he's just, how are we losing touchdowns to Devin Duvernay? But you're right about Bateman. Like he's gonna, he's gonna have one of those games. Hopefully it's on like prime time too. And we can all just enjoy it where he's going to have 12 targets, eight catches for 200 yards, you know? So it's coming. Uh, it's just frustrating. And, and again, it's not that, you know, at least it makes sense. Like Andrews is a stud. Andrews should be getting 13 targets a game. I just wish Bateman was in the eight to 10 range of every single week. Mm. I think it'd be closer to that if we played this game through, you know, 20 times or whatever. So, um, well, it, it's a frustrating game. We're going to be frustrated by something. Every week. At least <laughs> That's right. Some, That's right. There's, there's at least something that makes sense here. Uh, J.K. Dobbins made a season debut in this one, and his usage was nearly identical to Justice Hill's. Seven carries for Dobbins, 23 yards on those, two targets, caught them both for 17 yards. I would expect his role to grow. I would expect that he's not going to be splitting with Justice Hill every week. No idea, though, how quickly that changes. And, I mean, like I said, heading into the season, I would expect that J.K. Dobbins will spend all year sharing more work than his drafters would like him to. Yeah, it is encouraging to see the 15 routes run. It's for him. It's encouraging to see that uh, leading the the backfield and targets. So that's that, that that's nice to see. And I didn't catch the. I, I don't. Were, were they splitting the whole way through this game? Do you know, or did Justice Hill kind of get a bunch of carries at the end of this game? Because I'm not really sure. Seven to six. If they were if they were alternating, they probably were. Um, but uh, but yeah, no. It's it. They eased him in. You know, like we thought they were probably going going to to do. But um, but yeah, Dobbins will Dobbins will come around soon. Ho- hopefully, um, in games where uh, where he gets obviously some some double digit carries. If he can get double digit carries and three or four targets, now we're talking. Yeah, I don't know how it differed by um, by time in the game. You know, we'll I'm sure we'll dig more into that as the yeah, week yeah, goes yeah. on. But I, yeah. you know, we all expected them to ease J.K. Dobbins. Sure. This. So certainly the usage in this game is not surprising, and he should not have been in fantasy starting lineups right away. But it's it's nice to see him get through healthy, nice to see him do some things, get involved. We'll see where it goes going forward. Also, nice to see the team deactivate Kenyon Drake for this game, play Mike Davis for one snap because that's where those guys were. <laughs> of course. <laughs> On the Patriots side, Devontae Parker stepped up five catches and all five of his catches went for 24 plus yards. So he caught five balls, went well over 100 yards. You know, it's a reminder that Devontae Parker is pretty good. It's also a reminder that this Baltimore pass defense is shaping up similar to last year's. And I thought that with healthier corners, they'd be better off than last year. It's looking so far through three weeks like it's going to, again, be a strong matchup for our passing offenses. Yeah, yeah, it was nice to see Par- Parker. I feel like is is the most talented receiver on the team. You know, he's been banged up. He's kind of like a journeyman, I guess. But um, you know, it's nice to see him to see him play well there. I have, I have a bunch of him on like early best ball teams. But other than that, man, this team is just has no talent. <laughs> like there's you know in the in the, in the passing game another week. You know, Hunter Henry one target. Like what happened to him? He was double digit touchdowns l- l- last year. You know. J- Janu Smith, four targets, so much for the, you know, using the tight end and this, this is this passing game. And now Mac, Mac Jones is, is banged up. So we'll see again, this is a, this is an offense to generally fade 
uh, you're not going to want to start anybody on, on them, even though they're going to stink and they're going to be playing from behind. It's like they still uh, the, the, the running backs are too involved in the, on this team to get anything going in the passing game. It's like a best ball team in real life. They they're like, we don't know <laughs> who go. exactly is going to lead every week. We're just going to get a bunch of guys that have done stuff and then we'll see who scores the points. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. In fact, I just got to update. Uh, Mac Jones has a high, pretty severe high ankle sprain. So, um, so we'll see what the, what this office looks like moving forward, but boy, uh, they're just not the same without, without, without the system there playing quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Do they have Brian Hoyer there still? Is that, is that who the backup oh, gosh. is? Look it up it doesn't even see. matter. It doesn't even matter. <laughs> Mac Jones is so bad in it anyways. Like it's like so bad. The backfield is certainly the part that's worth paying more attention to. Yeah, it is Brian Hoyer still. Bailey Zappi is on the team. He's a rookie as well. So we'll <laughs> see exactly who the um, fill-in would be, but probably Brian Hoyer. Um, the backfield, though, is worth noting. Ramondre Stevenson has now had two straight games where he easily played more snaps than Damian Harris. So if you look at the touches, it looks like they were pretty close. And you could say, oh, it's still either way between them. But Ramondre Stevenson played a lot more snaps um, then Damian Harris in this one, it's been two straight weeks where he played at least 15 more snaps than Harris and also two straight weeks in which he more than doubled Harris's pass routes. So, you know, it's not safe. It's still new England. We could easily see it switch back in week four, just because it seems like right when we think we have things figured out, Belichick's like, nah, you don't have me figured out. Shut up. Um, <laughs> but based on what we've seen the past two weeks, it's Stevenson over Damian Harris right now, which is of course what we all came to expect by the buzz and, and more so the buzz than the usage in the preseason. Yeah. And just also watch like Stevenson's just a better player. He's more, more explosive. Um, it's nice to see some, some sort of rational coach, only two running backs to touch the ball this week. Stevenson's running all the, all, all the routes. He's got, he got five targets, you know, that's how that, that that's how it should be. So if there's, two, if they're only using two backs there, you know, they're both flex options um, or Stevenson, uh, you know, was probably an RB two option. So that's fine. You could, they're both, they're both usable. If there's, if they're just using two of them. Yeah, both did score yesterday. They've got the Packers lions and Browns coming up. So nothing overly scary on the running front. And I mean, if it's Brian Hoyer, you got to figure they're only going to lean even further on the run. So sure. yeah, we'll see where things go with these guys. Bengals 27, Jets 12. Tyler Boyd had the biggest fantasy day, but it was kind of fluky with a 56-yard catch-and-run touchdown. Playing time was right there, but he's fourth on the team in targets in the game. So, you know, nice when Tyler Boyd shows up. It should just be on your best ball teams unless you really need that receiver help. Jamar Chase, only 29 yards on six catches, did score a touchdown to save his fantasy day. Three more targets than anybody else in this game, though. So it's it's one of those games you're just going to have to deal with that. You're going to get those from Jamar Chase sometimes, even if it's not facing good defense. And then T. Higgins was good. Five catches, 93 yards, seven targets. So the thing's pretty much going how we expect them to go with these Bengals receivers in an upside matchup for everybody. Yeah, Higgins was was awesome. I thought oh, I thought it was knocked out there for a second. I went on a beautiful deep ball catch that he had coming off a concussion from last week. I'm like, oh, no, but... Uh, Higgins looks great. They, they, they were going to him early. He gets, you know, Jamar Chase takes up so much, uh, attention that Higgins is just, even though he saw three less targets, he had, you know, five for 95 or something. I think, uh, had a beautiful touchdown catch the back of the end zone that they didn't call it a, a touchdown, even though 99% of this, both of his feet were in the end zone. I still think it was a hundred percent, but we'll see. 
Um, but yeah, so Higgins looked looked great. Boyd, I just love Tyler Boyd's game. He's kind of lost on this team of, of of alpha receivers. But um, yeah, Boyd still isn't startable, like you said. His you know he's he's like a little slot guy. I think he had a touchdown called back too to, to Tyler Boyd did. Um, but um, but yeah, so you're still starting Chase. You're still starting Higgins. It's been disappointing with Chase, but he did save his day with that little one yard t- touchdown catch. But you know, this, that, that that's what you're going to get. One week's one receiver, kind of the other week's the, the other receiver as far as, um as far as big plays goes. That was my one hesitation on Chase heading into the season was I wouldn't be shocked if by the end of the season, T Higgins outscores him. Um, yeah. So, you know, in light of that, that make me, it makes me more interested in the guy that's going around and a half, two rounds later. Sure. Joe Mixon was the really disappointing one here, though. Mm. 12 carries to Samaje Pirine's nine. And Samaje Pirine siphoned a touchdown yeah. catch on the first possession of the game. There's no business with Pirine being in the game at that point. The usage, however, overall was right in line with the previous two games. So it's one of those where you have to say this sucked, but it shouldn't change how you use Joe Mixon going forward. Yeah, it's 26 routes run, uh, six targets on those 26 routes. It's fantastic. He's still got 12 carries. Like 12 carries and six targets should be fine, you know, for maybe you may want a couple more carries, but carries aren't, you know, it depends on what they are. Are they carries at the the goal line or they carries at midfield? Like, so, um, so yeah, you do want a little bit more usage out out of that, but it's just another example of a star this week, you know, just not coming through on the kind of on the stat sheet there, not getting, you know, Samaji P ran out. I think he had like their last four or five carries uh trying to run off the clock at the end, end of the game. So um disappointing there that Mixon could couldn't get those points at the end. But um obviously you're starting him and 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 you you like to see all those all those targets. And you always hate to hear the name Samaji Piran. I know. <laughs> on the Jets side, Brees Hall. Played six mm. more snaps than Michael Carter. He ran 10 more routes than Michael Carter. I wonder if we had a flippening here. <laughs> a flipping f- flippening. Good. We should we should have a flippening. You know. Uh Hall looked Hall looked looked great. He even had a nice, nice run up up the middle there. Um, and he uh yeah, I mean Hall, it should be. It should be flipped. Just when everyone's you know, just when all the numbers are pointing towards, oh no, this is Michael Carter's backfield at the very next week. It's Hall's. Uh, Hall did have have a drop. It was a little bit behind him, but I don't think anyone's questioning Hall's hands after all the catches that he's had that he's had this year. So, um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see how this keeps going. But hopefully, you know, they keep doing this with 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 Brees Hall getting uh, eleven targets. That's like his second. I think week one he had ten or eleven targets too. Um, so eleven targets, eight carries. We absolutely love it. Um, so great to see. Through three games now, we got a five-target lead for Hall. So he beat Michael Carter by nine targets yesterday. So, you know, we'll see if that holds out. But that's why it matters that he ran 10 more routes than Michael Carter in this one. So it it might well be the Jets switching to this guy that they just drafted in the second round, working ahead of Michael Carter and having Michael Carter work as the RB2. More probably more importantly, Brees Hall also leads Michael Carter by 0.9 yards per rush. 2.1 2.1 yards per catch. So he's more efficient than Carter so far on those touches. So, you know, we'll see one game is not enough to say, this is how it's going to happen going forward, right. but it could be the start of the way we were hoping that it would go going forward. Yeah. 
Yeah, more, more efficient is just code for he's better, right? So Hall is better sure. than Michael Carter. Yeah, the only thing that that's annoying is you know Flacco is not going to be the starter there forever. You're going to get Zach Wilson. Like, there's no way that Wilson's going to check it down as much as Joe Flacco does. So you know that it'll might be better for the the Jets receivers, but it's probably going to be worse for the Jets running backs as far as far as targets go. Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore matching 10 targets in this one. Moore continued to be on the field the most among Jets wideouts, but it's definitely worth noting that Wilson's 10 targets came on 37 routes, according to the uh, PFF numbers. Moore's 10 targets came among 56 routes, according to those PFF numbers. So, you know, they're even ultimately in targets in this game, but the fact that Garrett Wilson is getting targeted at such a higher rate versus when he's on the field continues to point to him being the favorite right now. Now, the caveat is we haven't seen Zach Wilson start a game yet. It's been three games, Joe Flacco. The Jets are hoping Zach Wilson is back for this fourth game. So we'll see. Maybe things change as far as who's the favorite receiver. But it also might just be that the offense favors Garrett Wilson because he's emerged as the bigger talent than Elijah Moore. And not to say anything bad about Elijah Moore, you know, this is a top 10 pick. So it's not shocking if Garrett Wilson is just the best receiver among Jets. Yeah, and and Wilson also came out of this game for a little bit with a with a uh, it was supposed to be like a rib injury. He got hit pretty good coming over the middle on a on a play. So that's I think that's why his snaps and routes were down. He also had a, he ran an out route um, in, uh, later on in the game from about midfield that the pass was just I don't know if it got glanced off the defender's hands or it, or he dropped it because the defender kind of flashed in front of him, but. He just missed a 50-yard touchdown where if he catches it, it's one of those where the defender jumps it. If he catches it, he's gone, and he's gone down the sideline. So he just missed out on a big, big game from, from Garrett Wilson. But, uh, yeah, continue, continue to start him with, with, with confidence because he's just been so good. Mm-hmm. Tyler Conklin, another eight targets in this one, caught all eight of them for 84 yards. So I might stop short of saying start with confidence, but Tyler Conklin's yeah. looking like somebody right around that tight end 12 area that makes sense. Yeah, why start Kyle Pitts when you can start Tyler Conklin? You know what I mean? That's right. Um, And, you know, we'll see again where things go with Zach Wilson, but uh, it's been nice. And it seemed like a mistake when the Jets signed both of these tight ends in free agency. It looks like clearly now that C.J. Ozama was the bigger mistake between the two. You know, we'll see (laughs) once he's healthier how the targets go between them. But for now, you got to like having Ty Conklin as as an option, especially if you headed into the season counting on Cole Komet. Titans 24, Raiders 22, 10 targets apiece for Devontae Adams and Mac Hollins in this one. And as you would expect, Devontae Adams caught five of them for 36 yards and one touchdown, while Mac Hollins exploded. Eight for 158 and a touchdown. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, I didn't get a chance to watch this game live. I went back and watched it this this, this morning. Um, and of course I look at the box room, of course, Mac Holly's got, they got to get Mac Hollins the ball. They gotta, they gotta get him involved. But then I watch him like, he is awesome. He has been really, really, really good. You know, he's, he's jumping over guys. He's getting open. You know, it's not just fluky, fluky stuff. He now I know why they, they, they were targeting him. So you know, Hollins looked, looked great. It's bad news for all the other p- pass catchers there because, because he's worth throwing to like when, when Hunter Renfro comes back and he's getting a lot of Darren Waller's targets too. So it's like, it's, it's good news for Carr and the Raiders, but bad news uh, for, and good news for Matt Collins, but bad news for everybody else. I will say that Matt Collins has had moments where he has looked very good for the Eagles and then for the Dolphins and neither of those teams hung on to him. So 
I wouldn't go overboard, but I do think that he's he's worth rostering in plenty of places right now. He's certainly no worse than, you know, DJ Chark, Josh Reynolds, KJ Osborne, that range of players. He's not sure. likely to be a difference maker for your season going forward, but I mean, he could be what Zay Jones was down the stretch at the end of last season for the Raiders. Yeah, exactly. Like it's not, you're not going to love, you're not going to start him with, with, with confidence, but he's just a thorn. If he's going to get nine targets or even seven targets every week, he's a thorn in the side of every other player there. Darren Waller has ceded playing time to Foster Moreau in two straight games now, checked in well behind Devontae Adams and Mac Hollins in snaps, closer to them in routes, but still trailing in that category yesterday. It's disappointing for a guy that just got paid by the team. Didn't he? Didn't they finally give him the extension? Yeah. Yeah. They just, they, they give it to him like a couple days before, before the season. Yeah. It's That's just so weird. It's so weird how, how it's, how these teams just love to, to, to do stuff like that. Yeah. You got to get Foster Moreau for four targets for, for, for sure. <laughs> for sure. So, I mean, we'll see, hopefully Waller can just be more efficient. Hopefully he can get some red zone or some, some, some end zone targets there. Um, towards the end of the game, they did go to Waller. It was, it was tipped at the, at the line. So um, it was, there was a miscue there, but um, I mean, Waller's still obviously a top, a top five talent at the position. I mean, you'd like to see some regression toward more playing time for Darren Waller here and less for Foster Moreau. But if things yeah. don't change in that area, I think it's going to be a, a situation where we wait for a big game or two and then try to shop him pretty hard. Yeah. Josh Jacobs controlled the backfield once again, despite the illness that had him questionable and traveling later than the rest of the team. Once again, nothing special numbers wise. So, I mean, really this season is going exactly how I thought it was going to go for Josh Jacobs, where he's controlling the backfield because everybody else is not that good. And he's still doing nothing exciting because he's Josh Jacobs. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, there, he was ruled down at the half yard line on, on a play. So he almost got into the end zone on one and he looked, he looked good. You know, there was, he was sick. He wasn't going to play. He looked, he looked, he looked fine. He looked, you know, he was running the ball well, but yeah, that kind of being, there, there was a couple this game, Traylon Burks went down at the half yard line. Uh, Derek Henry went down at the half yard line and none of those guys, including Jacobs were able to, to, to kind of get their touchdown that they kind of earned there. But um, that's, it's amazing the difference how a half yard can make or break your fantasy day. So, but yeah, Jacobs looked, looked fine. We can, we can do with Jacobs, you know, as a one, two with just dealing with Brandon Bolden, you know, even though Bolden uh, did get two, two targets, Jacobs saw five with 13 carries, like fine. You know, the, the range we were taking and like you were getting him, we were doing a bunch of drafts with you at the end of the season. You were getting like the eighth round. Like, yeah, we'll take that. We'll take 13 carries and five targets in this offense in the eighth round. So he's been fine. He just kind of get on. He got unlucky there without getting that touchdown. I would like to think that if I were a football coach, I would try to give it to that guy on the next play, but that might just be me, the fantasy player talking. Um, Right. That's right. (laughs) And just to note, Zamir White did absolutely nothing despite Josh Jacobs coming into this game with an illness. So um, (laughs) stop holding on to the Zamir White dream. On the Tennessee side, Derrick Henry, 143 total yards. It was just his second career game of five-plus catches, his fifth career game of 50-plus receiving yards, and two of those five were games where he just had one monster um, screen pass. So I, I think I needed this game, Adam, to remind me that even if it's not a dominating O-line, that Derrick Henry is still capable of that big game and is not like going to totally let me down where I, wherever I happened to – you know, just, just go ahead and take him in round two because he, yeah. 
I was just going to say that I, I've got, I'm not a Derrick Henry guy. I've got like two shares and it's like mid second round, late second round Derrick Henry, but it's, isn't it the weirdest thing that they get him involved in the passing game and he explodes and their offense looks way better. Like weirdest thing that you would do something like that. Like, like we're not asking you to line him up and slot and have him run seam routes. Like you can't throw him a screen pass two, three, four of those a game. It's like, Look what happened. He was he was unbelievable fantasy wise. He was unbelievable during the game. He, again, he went he scored, but he also had another one where he went down at the half yard line. And then Tannehill's like, "I'll take it from here, big dog," and falls in from the half yard line on nobody's fantasy roster. So, um, so yeah, it's like get the guy involved. In the, but this is why we weren't drafting him because the coaches are dumb when it comes to stuff like this. And uh, you know, and injuries, and he's older and stuff like that. But man, if, if Henry gets five targets a game, he's an absolute smash. Um, my super flex tourney entries like R- Ryan Tannehill running that ball in the end zone. By the way. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Traylon Burks. I think the biggest takeaway for me from this game on either side is Traylon Burks finally led the Titans in mm. round for the first time. I say finally, it's week three, so it's not like it was a huge weight, but. You know, he came away with two targets, so it's disappointing if you played him at all, which you probably shouldn't have been doing. Um, Trailed four teammates in that category, but led the team in routes, and that's really what we've been waiting for because that unlocks the possibility of Traylon Burks being the lead receiver for this team in any given week, which probably should happen more often than not the rest of the way. Yeah, and again, he was he was one down at the half, half yard line. Like he, he, he could have totally scored, and that would have saved his fantasy day if you did have to – have to start him, but um, but yeah, that's what you want to see out of these rookie receivers that you know everyone was kind of dogging during the preseason. Oh, he's not, you know, he's not this, he's not that. Well, let's just let him develop a little, a little bit here and let him get into the offense. Um, so yeah, it was good to see him lead the team in, in routes. Run. Woods looked great too. Woods the Woods looked really good. He had a not that it matters for fantasy for most people, but he had a nice punt return. Um, he looks he looks back from from the injury. Um, he's seen six, six targets so. Um, overall good day for, for, for Robert Woods, but yeah, but nice to see Burks, um, get, get a couple more targets. Eagles 24, eight over the commanders. Philly offense looks excellent. We expected that at this point, Devonte Smith, right with AJ Brown again in targets for the second straight week, second straight week, actually beat him in targets 12, 10 for the first time this season, huge game off of that. It looks now like we should expect things to be a little bit closer to the target split of week two and now week three versus the dramatic gap that was between AJ Brown and the other Eagles in week one. Yes. Yeah. It was, it was good to see this offense can just be so explosive. I mean, there's so much talent there. It's unbelievable. They can beat you any way they want to, they want to beat you. So um, Devonta Smith, he's just, he's a guy that's been killing me as far like I have him on a couple teams and like as my wide receiver four. And I just haven't started. I didn't start, you know, week one. I'm like, good. I'm, I'm vindicated. I, I wasn't a Devonta Smith guy this year. thought there were too, just too many weapons and Hertz is more of a running quarterback. I was like, great. So I definitely didn't start on week two explodes. Didn't start on week three explode. He's a guy that's just, you're just going to have to play now. He's just proved it, proven it um, that he's, that he's worth starting every single week because he has these massive games and I mean, he, you know, jump ball. It wasn't like broken coverages either, stuff like that. I mean, he was mossing people in the back of the end zone for touchdowns, jump deep balls, jumping up over guys. He looks, he looks really, really good. So, um, so kudos to this, to this offense, getting, getting him involved. And the, the part that we, we knew he was really good. The parts we didn't know were 
how is the target split going to go now that they have AJ Brown and is Jalen Hurts going to be efficient enough to help Devontae Smith produce even if he doesn't get 10 plus targets and it looks like the answer to both of those two questions is positive for Smith he caught all seven of his targets in week two he caught eight of 12 yesterday Jalen Hurts has been terrific throwing so far and like I said we've got three games now one had A.J. Brown way ahead of everybody else in targets. The other two had A.J. Brown right with Devontae Smith. Yesterday, Dallas Goddard was trailing the guys versus week two where he was right with them as well. He left for a bit with the shin injury. So, you know, we'll see exactly how Dallas Goddard relates to them. But it seems like we should expect it to be similar to, I guess, like Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, where in week one we saw things go way in Hill's favor. It's caught up over the past two weeks between him and Waddle. It looks like that kind of situation. Two very good players who are both going to do fine to well on the target front. Exactly. You know, I, as, as being a big Goddard guy, I know we are, I mean, he scored, which is great. So he, he made his fantasy day, but I would like to see, you know, only ran 23 routes. You know, like you said, he left a little bit with an injury. So that's, that's, that's not as high as it would have been um but uh you know to see jack stole i don't even know who that guy is get you know run 15 routes get two targets he had a, he had a long one uh d- down the sidelines or was that cal calcutta I don't, I don't know which guy that was but that was one. it was one, one of those uh, one of those tight ends that, that, that looks like dallas goddard but goddard's still a fine a fine start for sure he looked great on his on his touchdown catch and run this offense is really good i want all the pieces of this offense for for sure um, and they're, uh, they're, they're looking like a favorite in, in the NFC. Yeah. Miles Sanders leads the backfield. It's not always going to be big numbers, but he's at least getting the work that you crossed your fingers hoping for, um, if you drafted him. And then the defense is also looking very good. Nine sacks of Carson Wentz mm. in this game. And you know, it's not really news, I guess, to shot, to shut down Carson Wentz at this point, but Washington scored plenty of points and had plenty of yards over the first two weeks. So it's a good performance coming off of the big performance against Minnesota. Curtis Samuel, target leader for the third straight game. Ten of those in this game. We had nine apiece for Terry McLaurin, J.D. McKissick. We had eight for Jahan Dotson. It looks to me now, Adam, that J.D. McKissick is has reclaimed the receiving back lead from Antonio Gibson. Not only did he beat him in targets in this one, was also well ahead of Gibson in routes for this game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the biggest note from this game was just the uh, the Eagles D line just dominated the, the line of scrimmage in the whole game. This offense was not able to do anything. I mean, he was like you said, he was sacked eight or nine times. It was just it was just br- brutal to watch. Gibson does save his day with a, like a three yard touchdown, barely get in plunge um, for sure. And he's still on even know if he scored 10th, 11th fantasy points. But um, so, but yeah, JD McKissick, if he's in a when the Redskins are playing for, I'm sorry, oh, the Redskins. I don't know. I said it. When the commanders, <laughs> when the commanders are playing from behind, if McKissick is going to get in that role, which we thought he probably would, um, he's worth a flex start. Gibson's going to probably have to score um, to be worth an RB two. There, they probably be both flex starts. Um, but yeah, disappointing outing for 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 Gibson. I would say if you can find any real trade value for Antonio Gibson right now, go ahead and take it. He's RB12 in PPR points. His yeah. um, yards per carry 
are 3.1 now. And that marks a second straight year where he has dropped significantly in that category. Uh, like I mentioned, you know, week two, we could say, yeah, JD McKissick got the targets here, but the routes were still favoring Antonio Gibson that changed in week three. So it doesn't look like Washington wants Antonio Gibson to be that heavily involved in the passing game. Like he was in week one. And we still have Brian Robinson on the way back. We don't have any idea yet what Brian Robinson's going to look like, but there are positive reports of his progress. And of course, right before the season, it looked like Washington was hoping that Brian Robinson would be the lead back ahead of Antonio Gibson. So right now I'd be stashing Brian Robinson. I would be trying to shop Antonio Gibson, not, not like giving him away for whatever the best offer is, but if you can get anything of value, I would go ahead and move on. Yeah. And again, like he did get that score, um, at the end end of the game, which you know it, it, it counts, right? He, they had him in there. They handed it off to him. He he scored, um, and he still you know he finishes RB twenty five in, in, in a really bad game. He finished ahead of ETN, Acres, you know, Javante Williams, James Connor, like those guys. We were all starting, so he de- certainly didn't kill you. And you were probably drafting him well past RB twenty five. So again, he's been fine for sure. Uh, for the people who have started him the first th- three weeks, but you kind of see when he gets in these game scripts, man, like he's going to have to get that that touchdown to to kind of make his day even even remotely startable. Yeah, if a guy is producing, if his good week is twenty eight yards and a touchdown, then thirty eight yards and a touchdown, then that's right. somebody you want to sell before those touchdowns disappear because they're certainly not yep. going to be there all the time. Jaguars 38 to 10 over the Chargers. Mm. I, if I wrote out all of the possible <laughs> options in this game, that would be the first one that I crossed out. I mean, I, I I wouldn't have been shocked if it was a close game and the Jaguars edged them out, but 38 to 10, this is nuts. This might be like, the, I know that we had Justin Herbert's rib issue, but this might be the Jaguars saying, we're here. We're not the that yeah. team that you're used to. Uh, we've got some players and we actually know how to play offense now because our coach is a human. <laughs> that's right uh yeah that was a, that was one of my notes too the, the jags offense is 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 for real man they're they're able to run it they're able to throw it they've got a uh you know a good tight end they've got a bunch of different receivers that, that they're using they're not you know it's not like they have the one guy where if you shut them down they can't go other, other places everyone's showing up for them and the herbert thing like herbert looked fine like he looked mobile he's, he was throwing the ball fine like um the jaguars i think are, are for real for sure yeah, and I mean, Justin Herbert wasn't playing defense, so that certainly right. wasn't a factor in Jacksonville scoring all these points. And so, you know, there are a few different takeaways here. So first off, Travis Etienne I got more work than he got in week two, but things are continuing to trend negative for him because um, even though he got more touches, more playing time than week two, still beneath week one where he actually played more snaps than James Robinson and just lost out on touches. James Robinson has since played more than Travis Etienne in each of the past two games. And he's got a 50 yard touchdown run against the chargers, hundred yards rushing in that game. He also caught all three of his targets. He's running more routes than Travis Etienne. So even if we believe that Etienne is the higher ceiling receiver, that doesn't matter if James Robinson is getting more time on the field in even those situations. So I think James Robinson's ahead of Travis Etienne in the rankings going forward. I think Etienne is on benches, you know, until something changes like James Robinson getting hurt at this point. And, you know, we just have to realize that Travis Etienne is not as good as what the summer buzz was. Yep, exactly. Running back dead zone. Another, another victim of the running back d- dead zone. Um, he's just, he's just not, not as involved. And yeah, l- l- like you said, he's 
it's James Robinson's backfield. Um, and again, Etienne didn't 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 look bad. He's just not getting. He's not getting uh, the explosive plays. James Robinson. I mean, most of his stuff came in that long. Was it fourth and fourth and short? I think it was. And he busts, you know, through the line, and there's nobody there. There's no safety there because he's he's up at the line of scrimmage. But again, it just Robinson. You got to stop making. I have to stop making excuses for why Robinson's putting up fantasy points and just like, okay, he's just going to do it every single week. So, um, yeah, start Robinson with confidence and ETN. Good, good luck. Yeah. I mean, last week for me, it was like, yeah, he got the yards and he scored, but he had the one long touchdown. Otherwise right. his efficiency right. stunk. I mean, you could say that again, but I'm right. not going to keep saying it because if you keep right. doing it game after game, then it's suddenly not a thing. And you know, the thing about, it's always dangerous to start doing the, yeah, but if you take away the one big play, the rest of it looked like that. That's true with a lot of running back games. I mean, good running backs, bad running backs, good teams, bad teams. Like you would have to take away everybody's top play for the week to be able to actually say anything comparatively there. So, you know, I know even when I do that, that it's, it's dangerous and yeah, I'm changing my own thinking on James Robinson going forward and this isn't even a situation like with the Jets where, you know, we think Brees Hall is the better player and we're waiting for Michael Carter to lose some work. Like this is a situation where James Robinson's already spent two years as a lead running Correct. back in the NFL. Travis Etienne came in looking like a complimentary player, maybe somebody who could be the leader of a backfield committee. So there's no reason for us to believe that at some point the Jaguars are just going to flip the Correct. playing time and make Robinson the compliment here. The other thing, the other guy to change thinking about right now is probably Trevor Lawrence. He's sitting 11th among quarterbacks in fantasy scoring right now. And really, he had a couple of missed touchdown opportunities in week one against Washington. So he could be even higher. He came into the season, somebody in like the QB 14, maybe 15 range um, that we were hoping was going to turn into a top 12 QB. He looks like the guy that we were hoping that he would become, especially after this week's performance against the Chargers. Yeah, no, he, lo- he looks great. This is almost like his, this is almost like, like his rookie year too. Cause he doesn't, it's like he, he, you know, you get rid of that disaster of a head coach organization that he had last year. So it's almost like he's, he's like re- relearning everything. He look he looks good. It looks, looks poised in the pocket. He's delivering the ball, you know, um, they got, they got some weapons for him. So I really, and, he's, and he has that rushing upside. He almost had a rushing score today too, or yesterday. So yeah, no, he's, and I was nervous to, st- I benched him in, in, in some spots this, this week. Cause I was nervous about this chargers defense, you know? So um, no, he, he was, he was up to the task t- today and, um, and he's going to be a borderline QB one moving forward. Got that matchup at Philly next week. That was tough for the Vikings and Washington in the past two weeks. So it might be a week where if you have two guys in that range, you still lean away from Trevor Lawrence, but beyond that Houston and Indy look good. And I would say in general, I like Trevor Lawrence moving forward. We got a question on YouTube from Jared Hatfield saying um, that he has Trevor Lawrence on his bench. He has Patrick Mahomes as a starter. Is it crazy to consider moving Mahomes to see what I can get or just move Lawrence? Now I would say, first of all, that either one is tradable because all quarterbacks are tradable except maybe Lamar Jackson right now. But the, the thing that might seem crazy is yeah. Put Mahomes on the block because Trevor Lawrence can play. I think that's where we're at. I think there's a chance that Trevor Lawrence performs as a top 12 quarterback going forward. And that's really the thing. It's not to say Trevor Lawrence is just as good as Patrick Mahomes. Now is to say the QB 10 
is probably not all that different from the QB five going forward. So I think that you would be able to get a whole lot more for Patrick Mahomes in trade than you would for Trevor Lawrence. So I would certainly be willing to, to shop Mahomes and see what I can get right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, str- yeah, you can, you can trade Mahomes and don't get another quarterback in return. Don't like downgrade at quarterback and upgrade somewhere else. Get a straight up skill guy for him or two, and then just pick up another quarterback off waivers and stream him and Trevor Lawrence and you'll be you'll be better off right there's probably guys like Marcus Mariota Jared Goff sitting on the waiver wire that can be the insurance quarterback for bad matchups or if something bad happens to Trevor Lawrence the wideouts it was it was Zay Jones's turn here 11 targets 10 for 85 and a touchdown Christian Kirk nine targets six for 72 and a touchdown there's a touchdown for Marvin Jones as well no more than three targets for everyone else so it was, you know, it's going to be these three guys leading the way. We'll see whether Zay Jones stays ahead of Marvin Jones. Christian Kirk's the sure bet, I think, here. And then the other two guys are like, if you need a wide out, then Jacksonville might be turning into the kind of offense where you can consider that guy, you know, a weekly wide receiver for consideration. Yeah, this is tough. Like you said, Kirk, Kirk's, Kirk's, I'm starting, Kirk, I'm starting every week. Uh, but the rest of the guys are kind of mixing and matching, you know, Zay, Zay Jones, man, who saw that? That comment's so wild. I, I had a the high stakes matchup where the guy didn't have Keenan Allen because he's hurt and he wins because, of <laughs> course, he's got Zay Jones. Like, he wins because he loses. It's so sick. That was the type of week it was. But, um, but yeah, you, you don't, you're never going to know who to start out of those other, other guys. But Kirk, I'm locking in every single week 70, 70 snaps, which is 12 more than the, than, than the next guy. Uh, and he's seeing the consistent target share every single week. So, uh, Kirk's locked in. Um, and the rest of the guys co- coin flip. I'll tell you who had Zay Jones this week was my best ball roster. So they were pretty happy <laughs> there you with go. your opponent. Um, Evan Ingram had just three targets in this one, still with the wide receivers in playing time though, actually identical to Zay Jones in playing time and routes against the chargers. I mean, obviously a disappointing game if you used him, but I don't think anybody here was saying this is going to be a big, big week for Evan Ingram. I would not expect the chargers to be a positive matchup for tight ends this season. Yeah, he had a carry, which is cool. He also had a touchdown called or not called back, but he was, you know, dragged his feet, like was inches away from from a really great catch and, and a touchdown. So again, he could have had a, a really good game there. But yeah, Ingram again, he's you know, tight end, you know, eight to twelve uh in in that range, and you're uh, you're streaming him or you're 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 starting him almost every single week. On the Chargers side, I'm not sure how much we can take away from this. I think the biggest thing for me is what the hell is up with Austin Eckler's usage? We had two carries for Austin Eckler at halftime of a game where his quarterback was questionable with a rib injury coming in. We had two Austin Eckler carries in the first half. We had four for the game. We had three Sony Michelle carries in the first half, five of those for the game, five targets for Eckler in the first half. So it's not like he wasn't in the game. They're just not handing in the ball for whatever reason. Yeah, if you'd have just showed me like the box score where it was just like who ran the routes, who got the targets, who who got the carries, I could have just looked at that and told you that the Chargers got crushed. Like, you know, it's yeah, two four, you know, four carries for Eckler, like eight targets, and a couple of them were on like the last drive of the game when it was where they were already out of it. Like, I get, you know, he did run 26 routes, which is great, but I I get like wanting to keep him fresh and healthy and not wanting to overuse him because he is small. I totally get that, but he's got to get, he's got to be more involved, especially when you're, when, when you're losing like that early, um, he's your best playmaker. And then it didn't involve Mike Williams either. I mean, five, five targets, one that makes another insane, great catch 
in, in the end zone on a, on, on a jump ball, but he does, he's not getting, he's not getting the, the targets either. It's just, it's just incompetent coaching yesterday. Um, d- didn't make any sense at all. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's baffling usage for Eckler, especially through they, through their first three possessions, he had the two carries. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's not even a time where they were losing or anything. They're just like, right. we don't need to run the ball with Austin Eckler. And I, you know, I'm not an established the run guy, but if anything, right. this game would have called for trying to get things going like that, to take some pressure off of Justin Herbert. So I don't know. It, it's worrisome that we have questions about Austin Eckler's usage through three weeks. Cause this is not the first game um, where it was something questionable with the way they're deploying him Rams at Rams, 20 Cardinals, 12 Adam. I came into this season wary of the Arizona offense. I've been vocal in that. I do not believe in cliff Kingsbury. The offense has been worse than I feared. I mean, Kyler Murray went over 300 yards passing. That's because he threw 58 passes. He came out of this game with 58 pass attempts and zero touchdowns. I mean, it's, it's bothersome at this point. Yeah. It's almost impossible for that, for that to happen. But yeah, he didn't have any touchdowns at all. He didn't have any rushing touchdowns. He didn't have any um, passing touchdowns. It's just, yeah, the offense is, is not great right now. I mean, I know that the Rams can have, it can have a good D, but um, didn't make much sense here. You know, Greg Dorch gets 10, 10 targets. I mean, I guess when you've got a, a couple injuries there, you got to throw to somebody. Ertz did see 10 and Brown saw 17. So that makes sense. But um, it's just, yeah, they're not, they're not efficient. It's kind of, you know, Kyler's not throwing on time very often. It's they're snapping the ball. It's one read. It's not there. And then he's like, you know, running around. He wasn't really running the ball either. Like they were running the, they came out in the second half were better. They were running the option, but he kept, he kept giving it up to James Conner for like three yard gains, you know? So yeah, the offense just overall looks way out of sync. Um, kind of like the Denver Brown, almost as bad as the Denver Broncos offense, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there. But yeah, it's, um, it's certainly not time to panic because Kyler Murray can, you know, with the rushing yards and all that can usually make up for it. But yesterday was not one of those days. He's somebody I'd be willing to trade if I have him, though, if there if opportunities arise, because I it's not a not a group I believe in. And we've seen Kyler Murray. We saw Kyler Murray last year run the ball less than he did the year before. So it might be a business decision at this point where he is trying to protect his body for the long term. Could could be. Um, James Conner, you know, numbers obviously disappointing, but I'm just glad he made it through this game healthy. Uh behind James Conner, you know, Benjamin had nine opportunities versus just two for Daryl Williams. Now we don't really know what that means for if and when James Conner is out, because maybe Daryl Williams is more of a James Conner replacement in that case. And, you know, Benjamin is still the compliment, but it's at least worth noting as we keep trying to read that backfield. Yeah. I mean, Conner's clearly the, the guy there. I, I don't like the backfield behind him there. Like, again, I, I just, they're, if Conner goes down, they're going to split. Um, and the offense doesn't look great right now. So it's not like they had this elite offensive line where they can just pound the ball. So, uh, obviously every running, you know, you want to roster these, these running backs and stuff like that. Cause, um, but I, I don't feel if, even if kind of went down, I wouldn't feel comfortable starting either of these, these guys. Yeah, I agree. Rams offense was also disappointing considering that the chiefs and Raiders each had their way with the Cardinals the previous two weeks. My biggest takeaway though, for fantasy use is that cam Akers pulled even with Daryl Henderson in playing time, dominated the carries 12 to four between them produced on those carries as well. 61 yards, 5.1 yards per rush and a nice 14 yard run uh, for a touchdown one total target between the guys. So Daryl Henderson still led in routes between them, but there was one total target and that's two straight weeks now where Henderson having that 
route lead didn't matter. Yeah, yeah, it's it's clearly leaning back towards Cam Akers. Um, they they you know week one they just wanted to maybe ease him in. I guess even he barely played. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, Akers is, is, is the guy there now, especially when they're, when they're leading, uh, leading game scripts like this, the offense, again, this offense did, it didn't look great either, you know, but, um, you know, they did get some fantasy points on the board for our guy Cooper cup, but overall the offense was, was not looking good. Mm-hmm. So let's move on from that to the Falcons 27 Seahawks 23. And according to, I have to give you a hat tip to start off this one, Adam, because according to PFF's Timo Riske, Falcons are seventh best in the league in EPA per pass play so far. That, of course, again, is expected points added. So the Falcons are among the best teams in terms of what they're adding to scoring potential per pass play with that Marcus Mariota, Drake London, and Kyle Pitts led passing game. Is that a backhanded compliment? If you compliment me with analytics, is that, no, that, was, is that, a wide, a that was a wide no, open compliment? Nothing backhanded about it. <laughs> you compliment me with analytics. That's a slap in the face. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it, it's just their offense looked looked better. You know, I still don't. It's such a confusing thing to me. I'm going to be on this all year until Pitts goes goes to the moon. Guy comes out with like three catches in the first two drives. Ends the game with like five catches. Doesn't make any sense. Leads the team with eight targets too, like eight targets to six for London, um, to two for Z- Zacchaeus. Like they didn't throw the ball a lot, but when they did, Pitts was you know heavily involved. But it just, it just has it hasn't hit yet. He still was it was fine, um, but uh, they're not they're just not targeting him down around around the end zone. But again, it's Patterson, it's Pitts, it's London. Um, those, the, those are the guys that, that matter. They're using the, the, those guys. At least they did in week, in week three, uh, but Pitts is running routes. Um, although this game, he only ran 17 routes and th- 38 snaps, but they got him the ball when he was running routes. So we're just waiting for that big explosive pit pits week. You love that. He led the team in targets. You love that. He produced on those targets, the five for 87. Like you said, his playing time actually decreased according to the PFF numbers. Um, the team played 74 snaps in two wide receiver sets through the first two weeks and, uh, Pitts played 64 of those 74 snaps against Seattle. He played 19 of the 35 snaps in those sets with two wide receivers. So he's spending less time in the wide receiver spots than in a traditional inline spot. And he's also seeding inline snaps to another tight end on the team. So it's a positive, but there's also some negative in there and it it still makes Kyle Pitts much more of a sell once he does have a strong game than he is a hold or even somebody that, you know, I I don't know that I'm hopeful for delivering on where I drafted him this year. Yeah, this might be, I want to say you, you got to wait till he scores, but this might be the week where it's like the edge of like, you can still, if you're going to sell him, now's the time or you need to hope for a touchdown next week or a big game next week because you know if he has another week like this or another week like week two like where he's just not having that big high-end tight end one week it's going to be tough to sell him for what you want uh in in return for him i'm holding pits all year i still believe in the talent i still believe um that they're going to get him involved more in the he just needs more red he needs red red zone targets they're getting down there patterson scoring on like 20 yard runs you know london scored on the one uh, target he got there inside the red zone but i think touchdowns uh touchdown re- regression is is coming i think mm. 
Marcus Mariota, just 20 pass attempts in this one, so that didn't help the volume for people, although he did, as we said, have eight targets for Pitts, six for Drake London. Um, threw for a touchdown, ran for another. Cordero Patterson, another big rushing day, 17 carries, 141 yards, one touchdown on the ground. Tyler Algier was next with six carries. We still just had one target for Patterson, one for Tyler Algier as well. Routes went 12 for Patterson, eight for Algier, two for Avery Williams. So, you know, combine those, and it was 12 for Patterson versus 10 for the other Falcons running backs, still goofy usage where you would, you would figure they would want to run Patterson less and throw him the ball more. And that's not the case. That's part of what worries me about Pitts is we say bet on the talent. And for me, it's definitely still a long-term bet on the talent. Cause I don't think Arthur Smith is going to be in Atlanta a whole lot longer, but for this year, I, like Cliff Kingsbury, he's somebody that I'm betting against where that coaching factor matters. Yeah, no, I, I get it. At least they're getting the ball though to to to, to Patterson one way or, or another. You know what I mean? So that that makes sense. Um, so it was again, it was nice n- nice to see Patterson and those zero RB lineups being able to keep 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 smashing for us, baby. Seahawks side, Rashad Penny dominated backfield time, 14 carries for 66 yards, one target. So that's the kind of explosive, amazing game we can expect for the number one Seahawks back. It's why you shouldn't be excited about any of them. Geno Smith, though, 32 of 44 passing for 325 yards in this game. And of course, Mm. third, what was 23 of his 44 attempts went to either Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf. So those are absolutely the only guys that you want to use among Seahawks. No other player on the team had more than four targets. Lockett and Metcalf both delivered in this game. Um, Detroit's up next, so I think you can use both Lockett and Metcalf in the next game, and hopefully you don't have to use anybody else. Yeah, that's what we told everybody last week. Not that it's, you know, everybody knows this. It's just Lockett. It's just just Metcalf. Right now, Metcalf is wide receiver 17 on the week. Lockett's wide receiver 20. You're fine with that. You know, you were taking Lockett way past wide receiver 20. Um, and Metcalf hit, hit for you this week too. So, um, so yeah, as long as those are the guys get, getting the targets, they should be losing a lot, a lot of games cause they stink. Um, so Lockett and Metcalf, if they're both seeing double digit targets, they can both, they, they can both be startable for you every, uh, every week. Packers 14 bucks, 12 and a crappy game to watch. I can say, cause I was watching it. The running backs oh. surprisingly quiet. On the Green Bay side, the usage remained good It's and split between them, so nothing changes there. Romeo Dobbs delivered, led the wide receivers in routes on the Green Bay side, caught all eight of his targets, 73 yards, scored a touchdown. We also had a touchdown for Alan Lazard on six targets. Robert Tunyon had seven targets. It was all short stuff. I would hope that Romeo Dobbs did enough in this game that he maintains a big role like that going forward. We we watched Sammy Watkins hit IR heading into this game. Christian Watson was inactive for this game, so he should be back soon, but should still be Romeo Dobbs in a very prominent role over at least the next few weeks. Yeah, I mean, as prominent as it is it's gonna get there, you know. I mean, they're they're again, they're a team built around kind of the, the running game, I feel like, and throwing to the running backs and stuff like that. You know, you saw 24 carries between Jones and Dylan today, but yeah, Dubs is, I think, the, the guy here. For, it would be nice to see him kind of take over this role because we know we're getting out of Lazard and Cobb and, uh, you know, Jawan Winfrey, who had to get his his, his two targets. So, um, yeah, Dub, Dubs looks good. Um, and so it would be nice to see him kind of take over this this role and, uh, and get um, uh, his quarterback, his Hall of Fame quarterback, trusting in him. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then Robert Tunyon, you know, I mentioned seven targets. So nice for him. Caught six for 37. Still just a 55.6% route rate, though. So I would hesitate to trust him too much going forward. But he's at least somebody potentially usable at a position that's had a lot of players emerge as not really usable early in the season. On the Bucks side, pretty much all the targets went to Russell Gage. 13 of the 42 Tom Brady pass attempts, 31% share there. Caught 12 of those for 87 yards and a touchdown. So the big yardage that Russell... Gage is uh, used to delivering for us and Cole Beasley, by the way, with three catches for 12 yards. So it was like, uh, I think his a dot was seven inches. (laughs) Oh, there's a joke in there somewhere. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's good. Good for Russell Gage. At least doesn't make sense. Like, Hey, he's the best healthy receiver. Let's get him involved. Uh, Their offense stock all all day. Anyways, again, they're down so many injured O-linemen and receivers. It's like, let's just, you know, they're just trying to get out of this game healthy. I'm sure, but Cole Beasley, his role could could grow there with um with injured receivers. Evans will be back next week. He wasn't hurt; he was suspended. But um, you know, uh, Brady loves those, those those types of receivers, man. Those short a dot option route kind of slot guys. Where as long as they're on the same page, so I think he's worth adding just as a holding stash and see what happens with the rest of this receiving core. If the receiving core is anywhere near healthy, I'm not starting Cole Beasley. But um, as long as there's injuries and 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 stuff like that, I think he I think he's worth we're worth having. Yeah, it would have to be a pretty deep league for me to be looking at Cole Beasley. But certainly Russell Gage did what we were hoping. Julio Jones's injury sounds like it might be the kind of thing that doesn't necessarily keep him out, but dogs him all year. So we'll have to see how soon he can get back. I know we were kind of expecting an injury to probably dog him all year. Um, and then I yeah, mean, there's he's, not a whole lot plus of- he. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was saying he's just a guy that's we're just waiting. It's it's Sammy Watkins. We're just waiting for him to go on the IR, right? We're waiting for that that you know they're holding him out. It's you're never going to feel comfortable starting him. When you do, he's going to play eight snaps and leave. Like you know, I don't know. I would be okay dropping Julio. <laughs> I I would as well. Like that's somebody that I wouldn't. I I would I'd rather I'd probably rather have Mac Hollins than Julio Jones going forward. Sure. Yeah. Um, there's not a whole lot else worth talking about on the buck side. I think Leonard Fournette couldn't really get anything going efficiency wise, but controlled the backfield work once again. Yep. Controlled the work. Rashad White's a high end handcuff, you know, worth obviously roster him. If Fournette goes down, it was interesting to see Fournette's rushing prop for this game was like 75 yards. I was kind of surprised. It's, it's tough for running backs to get 75 rushing yards these days. And with no kind of threat around him and the Packers having a good defense, I was, you know, I kind of, was shocking to me, but, uh, but yeah, he's, he's always going to get those six, six targets that kind of keep him, keep him alive. Well, and that's the thing though, is I, the number was that high because he had 21 and 24 carries through the first two weeks. So, I mean, if you're getting 20, that's what, like 3.6, 3.8 yards per carry in that projection. He's been under three the past two weeks. So we'll see where things go. We love the work, but we do need some efficiency to support um, feeling good about starting Leonard Fournette. Final game was even worse than Ugh. Packers Bucks. Broncos 11, 49ers 10. That would have been a really exciting baseball game, but it was a garbage <laughs> football game. And I don't know if these defenses are that good or if the offenses are no. just that bad. I think it's probably a combo of both of those things because these are a couple of defenses we expected to be good heading into the season, but the offenses are just garbage right now. So let's let's go positive. We got George Kittle's season debut. Five targets, four catches, 28 yards. Doesn't do much for us, but we at least have George Kittle back. 
Jeff Wilson Jr. did dominate the San Francisco backfield work, 41 snaps, 19 pass routes. The only other running back to play was Jordan Mason. He played five snaps, two routes, one carry. So I think we got less rushing work for Wilson than I would have guessed, especially based on how the game went, but he produced on it. He, you know, led the backfield work by at least as much as we could have hoped. I think Jeff Wilson's a decent option going forward. For sure. He's definitely a flex option. Um, you know, he's getting the workload of an, you know, RB two workload for, for sure. Um, yeah. And we knew Garoppolo was going to come in here and he was going to make all of these guys like fantasy viable, right? He's going to give them opportunities to make plays. Debo, um, you know, Debo was getting the opportunities. Also, you know, they were, they were running him. He gets eight targets. Ayuk gets eight targets and scores, you know? So, um, yeah, everyone's going to have, I think, more opportunities here without Trey Lance running all over the place. And, and, and Garoppolo, as much as people rag on him, you know, he's not great. Uh, he threw, he stepped out of the end zone and had a pick six all in the same play, which is sensational. Um, but uh, he knows how to run the offense. He knows where to go with the ball. So hopefully for the Kittle owners, uh, you'll see a little bit more usage for him. Um, but, uh, but overall he's able to kind of manage this offense and this game was unwatchable. I mean, there's going to be games where they're going to be playing from, from behind most of the game, not at the very end. Um, but, uh, but yeah, hopefully the Niners can, um, can play, uh, from, from get a better game script for these guys to get, get more catches. Yeah. Lackluster production from both Ayuk overall and Debo on the eight targets yeah. piece, but you know, they're facing a defense that should be pretty good against the pass in Denver this year. So on the Denver offensive side, 3.1 yards per rush, 5.6 yards per pass attempt for a team that has Russell Wilson, Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon. It's just, it, it, they suck. Jerry Judy, did um, play in this game. He just missed a long connection late in the game. The ball was tipped by Trevarius Ward, so it wasn't really a drop. That certainly would have changed the numbers for him, would have inflated the numbers beyond what they should have been for Russell Wilson, who I'm done betting on the over for passing yardage on until uh, he shows it for several weeks in a row. Really, I don't, I don't have a whole lot to take away from this offense in terms of what I'm changing other than I was validated in sitting Russell Wilson for Marcus Mariota where I did this week. Yeah. I started Mariota in a lot of leagues too. Um, fire Nathaniel Hackett. I'm going to start every time we talk about the Broncos this year, I'm going to start it with fire Nathaniel Hackett. Their, their team isn't going to do even come close to reaching their potential on Nathaniel Hackett's back there next week. He's going to stop calling the plays because he doesn't know how to do that either. Just get rid of him. I mean, this, I mean, Russell Wilson doesn't look great at all. But you never know. Like, is it is it the play calling? Is it like, it's just the whole thing is, is is a mess to have all that that talent, and it's just embarrassing. And they stinking you know to be able to score there at the end is so stinking annoying because they didn't really deserve it. Um, you know, Judy again another another a bust week out of him um, after being hurt last week saw saw the six targets. I mean, all the targets went to Sutton and Judy, so that's good news. But you know. Uh, it was Russell Wilson was way off. He overthrew Judy. Judy also had a deep touchdown where it gets tipped right at the last second. Judy maybe still could have caught it. So that was, that was a big play that would have saved his, his fantasy day, but another bad game for, for, for Judy, not, not a good sign there, but the whole offense is just a mess. Yeah. Near even work split for Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, as you feared, sure. if you were passing on <laughs> Javante Williams. And then Albert Oakwake Boonham, third among Broncos tight ends in snaps in this game, did lead the group in routes, but only about 50% of Russell Wilson's total dropbacks. He trailed Kendall Hinton 
by two total routes. So, I mean, anything potentially usable in this offense, they're really trying hard to make unusable. Did he have a catch, Alberto? I don't believe so. I think he just has back to back zeros, back to back zeros for Alberto. It's just impossible. Doing a killer Cole Komet impression along the way. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Well, I think that's a good place to leave it. Try not to use any Broncos because, I mean, there's there's no silver lining here. They have talent, so at some point maybe they'll turn it around, but there's nothing to point to in saying this is why it's going to turn around in week four. Yep. So head over to DraftSharks.com now. You can see how we rank these guys in week four and going forward. we got rest of the way rankings that we'll be updating throughout the day. We have week four rankings hitting the site tomorrow. Uh, we have our free agent focus articles coming out over the next two days, both for regular size leagues and for deeper leagues. So whatever league you play in, we got you covered. And then it's, it's our usual set of content throughout the week to try to help you out with all your various formats, DFS, underdog pickums, of course, full season. So you can actually head back to last week if you want and ch- check out the buy, sell, hold report for some of the buy, sell, hold guys we talked about in this show. Some of those guys changed to this week not a whole lot though most of the guys that i think we mentioned there actually had the kind of week that might help you do what you were looking to do what we said to do with them from that so not an obsolete article just yet check that out see what kind of moves you can make this week for my partner adam krautwurst and the rest of the draft sharks crew i'm matt shaw saying thanks so much for swimming with us